This audio presentation was pre-recorded and edited for brevity and clarity. Hello, I'm Michael Buckley with the Bright Focus Foundation. Welcome to today's Bright Focus chat, Iron and the Immune System, How They Impact AMD. If this is your first time on a Bright Focus chat, welcome, and I want to give you a little overview of, of what we'll do today. Uh, Bright Focus funds uh, some of the top scientists in the world that are trying to find cures and more effective treatments for macular degeneration, glaucoma, and Alzheimer's disease. And at Bright Focus, we try to share the findings and the latest information from these researchers uh, with, uh, with families that are impacted by these diseases. We do this through a number of uh, resources on our website and, and free publications. That are, uh, and we also do it through the Bright Focus chats. And today's a great example of taking one of the top researchers in the world on vision disease and, and through his generosity, um, taking some time to learn what's, what's the latest uh, from the world of research, particularly as it relates to, to iron and the immune system and, and AMD. Let's start today uh, by introducing our today's speaker, Josh Deneyev. Josh is a, uh, is a professor at the Shea Eye Institute at the University of Pennsylvania. Uh, we have been very fortunate uh, to partner with him um, on research through our macular degeneration research program. And if, if uh, Dr. Deneyev's name sounds familiar, he has been uh, on several Bright Focus chats over the last few years, and we're very fortunate to have a number of articles um, written by Dr. Deneyev on the Bright Focus website, brightfocus.org. So it's a great opportunity to to have you with us today. And look, before we get pleasure. started, I just want to... Oh, sorry. Pleasure to be with you again, Michael. Sorry. Sure. So, um, again, Dr. Janaev, you know, it's always a pleasure to work with you. I know we've been able to, to uh, partner with you and your colleagues at the Shea Eye Institute at the University of Pennsylvania on really some of the most exciting research uh, um, on vision disease in the world and really appreciate uh, the clarity in which you're able to, to communicate this information to folks. So uh, I just want to welcome you to, to today's Bright Focus chat. And what would you, what would you like to talk about today? Well, thank you, Michael. It's uh, always a pleasure, and uh, I'd like to uh, be with you and your listeners to talk about some of the latest findings in macular degeneration, and we have some pretty exciting new findings to uh, to talk about today. Um, so the, the first thing I'd like to talk about is um, a brief summary of some of the known modifiable risk factors for macular degeneration. Um, so things that many people have heard, but uh, just to emphasize that there are things that people with macular degeneration can do today to decrease their risk of losing vision. So those things include uh, stopping smoking, uh, if you're a current smoker, uh, eating whole foods, especially fruits and vegetables, uh, and eating fish two or three times a week, especially salmon or sardines. These things have been shown in epidemiological studies to decrease the risk of vision loss. Another study showed that eating lots of red meat is a risk factor. So I recommend eating red meat once a week or less uh, to decrease the risk of, uh, of vision loss from macular degeneration. Also, processed foods and uh, lots of sugar are uh, risk factors. Uh, in the summer, we should really think about uh, light exposure as a risk factor. So several studies have shown that uh, bright light exposure is, is uh, a potential risk factor. 
So when out there on the beach or by the pool, it's important to wear sunglasses and uh, and a hat to avoid uh, excess light exposure for for the eyes. Um, so those are those are things that people have probably heard before, but there are some more recent findings that we can talk about now. Um, yeah. So one of them is a, a clinical trial uh, with a uh, an inhibitor of uh, the immune system, an inhibitor of uh, something called the complement cascade. And if, if you'd like, Michael, we could first take a step back and uh, discuss uh, what a clinical trial is yeah. and, and how they're done. Yeah, yeah that would be great. I think that would uh, help help our listeners and be interesting to see how scientists reach the uh, some of the, uh, the findings. So, yeah, that would be great. Thanks. Sure. So a lot of the early studies in macular degeneration look at uh, genetics of the disease and uh, also use uh, mouse models or uh, tissue culture models where retinal cells are grown in plastic dishes to identify molecules that could be targeted to help protect vision. Then once we have uh, good candidates for molecules that could be targeted, we start clinical trials uh, with patients and they're divided into three types, phase one, phase two, and phase three. So phase one is uh, primarily uh, designed to test safety. It's a, it's a small trial. It'll usually look at uh, several different doses of the drug to uh, ensure that it's going to be safe. Then phase two is a little bit larger trial, looks mainly at safety, but also starts to look at whether the drug is effective. And then phase three is the largest trial, and it looks at both effectiveness and safety. And if the FDA sees that the drug is safe and effective, then it may approve the drug for clinical use. So if you go to your eye doctor and ask if you might qualify for a clinical trial, then you might be told that your condition uh, is being uh, studied in current clinical trials and that you might be eligible, or you might be told that uh, there isn't currently a clinical trial for your disease or your stage of the disease, but uh, just stay tuned and, um, and hopefully there would be one in the future. Yeah. Uh, so the one that uh, is, has got me excited right now uh, is by a, a company called Apellus, and they're studying a drug uh, that inhibits complement. So complement is uh, a part of the immune system, and uh, for macular degeneration, it's really not a complement. It's, it's more of an insult. Uh, and uh, what it does is it... Um, it, it kills retinal cells when it's inappropriately activated. So this Apellus trial uh, is a phase two trial that showed that inhibiting a complement protein called C3 could slow the progression of uh, a form of macular degeneration called geographic atrophy. And uh, so that is now progressing to a phase three trial, and we should find out within probably a, a year or, or two 
uh, whether that phase three trial was successful and whether inhibiting complement C3 can actually slow geographic atrophy expansion. If, if so, that would be the first drug uh, proven to slow expansion in uh, geographic atrophy, which would be wonderful. That's amazing. Sounds like a really hopeful, uh, promising development uh, out of that clinical trial. It sure is, Michael. Uh, another clinical trial that just ended was a phase three clinical trial, uh, which tested gene therapy for patients who are born blind. And uh, this phase three trial showed effectiveness, and the FDA decided to approve it. So oh. this, is, this is really remarkable. It's first FDA approval for a gene therapy that's delivered into the human body, and uh, it corrects uh, a, a gene that's defective in children who are, who are born blind from a disease called labors. Uh, the trial was conducted uh, by investigators at the University of Pennsylvania, uh, Jean Bennett and uh, her husband, Al McGuire, who's a uh, retinal surgeon. And uh, they showed, along with collaborators around the world, that this uh, gene therapy can be delivered into the retina safely and children who were born blind can now navigate through a maze or uh, some of them can catch a ball. Um, it, it's really a, a groundbreaking development that is going to lead the way to gene therapy for other retinal diseases because they have developed the methods needed to deliver genes into the retina safely. That is amazing. That is a, a, tr a, true, a true miracle, really testament to a lot of the work uh, uh, going on at the University of Pennsylvania. Before we um, uh, turn to some of your own research, we have, a, we have a few questions already from our listeners. A question, <clears throat> a caller from Michigan is wondering, um, uh, what's a, how many servings of red meat do you recommend on, on a week, typical week? One, one or less. Uh, there's uh, evidence from a clinical trial in Australia that people who ate a lot of med red meat had an increased risk for macular degeneration. There's also evidence that red meat increases the risk of uh, other diseases like cardiovascular disease. So um, one, one serving a week or, or less is, uh, is my recommendation if... if uh, <clears throat> If you're a vegetarian, uh, you don't have any meat at all, that's um, probably even healthier. But uh, I, I don't think uh, a serving a week is uh, is going to hurt uh, very much, if, if at all. Sure. One of the reasons that uh, red meat um, may be harmful is that it contains a lot of iron, and you absorb a lot of the iron that you eat in red meat. So a lot of foods that contain iron have it in a form that's not easy to absorb. Uh, so it, it doesn't get into the body. But when we eat red meat, 50% of the iron that's in that red meat gets absorbed because, it's, uh, because of the form that it's in in the red meat. So that, loads, that can load our bodies with more iron than we need. Yeah. And I know your your research has um, 
has, uh, has been looking at, at the impact of iron and AMD. Would you mind uh, sharing with us a little um, what you've been learning from, from studying the, the issue of iron? Yes, absolutely. So iron is uh, it's, it's kind of like Goldilocks. It's, uh, it needs to be just right. We need to have not too little and not too much. And a lot of uh, focus in medicine is on avoiding iron deficiency, making sure you have enough iron. Because if you have too little iron, then you can become anemic, uh, meaning that you don't have enough red blood cells, and that makes you tired. And this is especially common among menstruating women because when you lose blood, you lose a lot of iron. However, there's been uh, very little focus on the potential risks of having too much iron. And a lot of people have too much iron because our bodies continue to absorb it as we age, but we have no way to get rid of it except when we bleed. So there are some women who were told to take iron when they were menstruating, and then they just continue to take it uh, when they're postmenopausal, and they can wind up with much more iron than they need. And that's a problem because iron can produce free radicals. Uh, it can cause something called oxidative damage. So what is that? That's when electrons get stolen from um, proteins or fats or DNA, and that causes structural changes, chemical changes to the DNA, causing mutations or causing proteins to stick to each other inappropriately, and that can then lead to disease. Now, we know that too much iron can lead to disease because when people get a piece of iron in the eye in an accident, it very rapidly causes degeneration of the retina. We also know that people who have hereditary diseases that lead to excess iron in different organs have degeneration of those organs. So there's a, a condition called hereditary hemochromatosis where people absorb a lot more iron than they should and that causes disease. It causes degeneration of the liver, of the pancreas leading to diabetes, causes pain in the joints. And if the iron accumulates in the brain or the retina, then it can potentially cause damage there. So we found that people with macular degeneration who then uh, donate their eyes upon their death uh, have more iron in the retina than age-matched controls. And uh, because of what I said about iron causing oxidative damage, we thought that that iron might be contributing to the macular degeneration. So to test this, we used some mice that we genetically engineered to accumulate a lot of iron in their retinas. And the iron buildup in the retinas caused degeneration of the retina that looks in some ways like macular degeneration. So we were able to recreate uh, a uh, degenerative disease in, in the mice. So they're a model of, of retinal degeneration caused by iron. Uh, 
Now, I don't think that iron alone causes macular degeneration, but I think that it cooperates with other factors uh, like complement proteins uh, and uh, probably uh, lipids, fats, uh, to cause damage to the retina over time that then manifests as macular degeneration. Wow. That's, um, let me just, just jump in for a second. That, this is all really interesting. I, I think your Goldilocks uh, 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 characterization of it is, is right on because a lot of us, you know, we're growing up, we're told by our parents or told by our, t- our, you know, our science and health teachers or the magazine articles we read that, you know, iron is, iron is good and you can, you know, the more you have, the better. And, and uh, this is really interesting research and appreciate you sharing that with us. And how, how does someone know if they should be taking more iron or less iron? Like how does, how does, how does someone resolve the, the Goldilocks uh, situation in their own life? Yeah, really good question. Um, one that isn't frequently looked at uh, by uh, clinicians. So uh, people who are anemic, meaning, meaning that they have too few red blood cells, uh, may be anemic because they're iron deficient. Um, however, there are other causes of iron deficiency, um, of anemia, sorry. Um, so just because you're anemic doesn't mean you're iron deficient. And there are blood tests that measure iron levels in the blood. And um, what should be tested is uh, the, uh, the iron, blood iron level in addition to um, something called the transferrin saturation, uh, which uh, is a measure of how much iron is bound to the protein that carries iron in the blood, which is called transferrin and also the ferritin level. So ferritin is a protein that stores iron in the liver. And when iron stores are very high, ferritin levels in the blood uh, increase. So ferritin, which is not very frequently measured, it's certainly not measured in standard routine blood tests. You have to ask for it. Ferritin levels will tell you uh, what your total body iron levels are. Uh, so I, I think it's a good idea to have that ferritin level yeah. tested. Yeah. Well, and people, people who, are, uh, who have enough iron have uh, a ferritin level uh, somewhere in the uh, 40 to 80 range. Uh, but... Um, so, so in that range, you should have enough enough iron to make your red blood cells and to do the important other things that iron does in the body. Yeah. But if ferritin levels are above 100, then uh, it's likely that you have a lot more iron than you actually need. And you mm-hmm. could reduce the amount of red meat that you eat uh, and eat more uh, plants, uh, vegetables, and fruits and that iron level may come down a bit. Another way to, to reduce uh, body iron levels is to donate blood, uh, which not only could help you, but of course is a, a good thing to do to help, uh, help other people who need blood transfusions. Since there's a lot of iron in red blood cells, if every time you donate blood, you get rid of a lot of iron. That's that's really interesting. Um, we, we've got several inter- uh, questions in about about the um, 
about iron supplements. And um, uh, Gladys from New York is wondering, is the amount of iron in a vitamin supplement you know, that you get at a store, is, is that amount of iron uh, too much? Or, you know, sort of what, what do you think of the vitamin supplements that are that is sold with for iron? Well, uh, the amount of iron and the form of iron is going to vary depending on which supplement you're taking. Uh, many multivitamins will contain some iron. And if you're taking uh, a multivitamin that contains iron every day, then uh, that may be leading to more iron than you need. Uh, so there's a supplement uh, called uh, Centrum Silver, which uh, does not have any iron in it anymore. It, it, uh, it's for uh, older people who um, are, uh, are not menstruating or are not uh, losing blood uh, routinely and uh, don't need iron supplements anymore as, as, a, as a group. I mean, there may be some uh, elderly individuals who do need iron supplements because they're truly iron deficient, but uh, as, as a group, most uh, elderly individuals will, uh, will not need iron supplements. Yeah, well, it's interesting. I know that um, uh, in the past we've talked about the uh, AREDS, which to our listeners is a, an acronym, A-R-E-D-S, the AREDS supplements um, that researchers have shown to be promising for, for folks with, with AMD. Uh, does the AREDS um, supplements, do they have any iron in that? No. Um, the uh, AREDS supplements have um, uh, a form of uh, vitamin A uh, called lutein. Uh, they have vitamin C, uh, vitamin E, the mineral zinc, and a little bit of copper. And it's interesting that the uh, age-related eye disease studies showed that uh, zinc is uh, protective for people with uh, early macular degeneration, protects against progression of the disease. And zinc can actually compete with uh, iron for uh, uptake and into the body or binding to uh, proteins. So one of the potential mechanisms of zinc's protection is by protecting us from iron. That's interesting. And um, Another kind of vitamin question. Uh, we've got a caller from New Jersey who probably, like me, grew up thinking that, that spinach is good and you should eat a lot of it, and we always said that's what made Popeye so, so strong. Um, he's wondering... Um, you know, is spinach high in iron, or is 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 that something that that you know could could might might not be good for vision health? That's a great question. Um, so, iron is uh, generally not very well absorbed from from foods, uh, except from red meat. So, if we eat a lot of red meat, we absorb a lot of iron. Spinach has a fair amount of iron but it's not well absorbed. Um, so I don't think that the iron in the spinach poses a risk. Uh, on the contrary, it's been shown that people who eat more green leafy vegetables like spinach and kale and collard greens have a decreased risk of macular degeneration. So the evidence is that spinach is helpful, not harmful, and I'm not worried about the spinach iron because not much of it is going to get absorbed. 
Yeah. Well, that's good to know. Um, kind of switching gears, we had a caller from, from Missouri wondering about acupuncture. She's heard people talk about uh, clinical trials or other um, other forays uh, related to acupuncture for AMD. Is that something that you're familiar with? Yes, I've, I've heard of people uh, doing it. Um, it's, it's hard to evaluate. It uh, hasn't been tested in, uh, in clinical trials. It's hard to do these clinical trials. They're uh, very expensive. They require a lot of patience and a lot of time. Uh, so it, it really wouldn't be easy to launch a clinical trial for acupuncture for uh, macular degeneration. So without clinical evidence, only with uh, anecdotal evidence, somebody might say, oh, I went and had acupuncture and I think I see better now. Well, that's that's just you know, one person uh, or a few people saying this is not really uh, evidence that it, that it works. Uh, so I, I can't really say whether it, it works or not. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. Um, we've got another question just came in, a call from Washington State. You know, is it interested when you were talking about um, blood and AMD? Does it vary by a particular blood type that a person has? Is there any connection between blood type uh, and AMD? No, uh, there's there's no evidence that uh, there's any connection between blood type and AMD. The the blood type doesn't uh, impact how much iron is in the blood. Uh, there's uh, type A, type B, type O. Uh, those those types just depend on uh, kind of what flavor proteins, uh, if you will, you have uh, in your blood, and th- and that relates to uh, potential immune reactions when you have a blood transfusion. That's um, another question relating to the uh, to supplements. Um, it seems like the supplement aisle at your at your local pharmacy or supermarket can be can be pretty overwhelming. Do you have any uh, you know kind of guide for how to how to navigate um, literally a, a floor to ceiling uh, array of choices? Uh, in oh, yes. It's a huge industry, um, and uh, for the most part, unregulated. The the only supplement that's been proven effective uh, for macular degeneration is uh, something called Preservision, which follows the ARES-2 formula. Uh, ARES is Age-Related Eye Disease Study 2. That was a study that was run by the National Institutes of Health uh, looking at uh, hundreds, thousands of patients over the course of now about 10 years. And it showed that uh, this specific formula uh, decreases the risk of macular degeneration progression in people who already have some macular degeneration. Uh, that is, uh, the ophthalmologist has seen little white spots in the retina called drusen and uh, has told the patient that they would benefit from these uh, ARIDS-2 formula antioxidants. Any other antioxidant claiming to protect eye health has not been supported by clinical trials, not supported adequately. Uh, So I would really not recommend at this time taking anything supplement-wise, other than the uh, ARIDS-2 vitamins, if you're directed by your ophthalmologist uh, to take them. I would recommend eating lots of 
fruits and vegetables, lots of green leafy vegetables, uh, and and not not a lot of red meat. Yeah, I appreciate that. We have, we have a couple more questions that we have time to get in. We have a, a caller from Michigan wondering about intermittent fasting. Does that have a, any effect on, on AMD and eye health, either either good or bad, if one were to do uh, strategic intermittent fasting? That's, a, that's an interesting question. Um, there is some evidence that uh, high glucose in your blood uh, can increase uh, risk for macular degeneration. And um, some evidence that ketones that are produced by fasting uh, may be uh, protective for uh, neurons. So in theory, it, it might be helpful, but again, it's uh, something that hasn't been tested in a uh, prospective clinical trial, so we we can't be sure. sure. Speaking uh, of clinical trials, uh, yeah, there there is... Uh, there's one that we're currently running uh, based on our uh, iron hypothesis. Uh, we are testing a, uh, a certain nutraceutical uh, that uh, is available uh, in, in drug stores over the counter. It's called lipoic acid. Uh, and we're testing it for its ability to slow the progression of geographic atrophy when taken orally. The reason we're testing this is it was very protective in a, our mouse uh, model of macular degeneration. Uh, lipoic acid binds to iron, and it's also an antioxidant, so it pre prevents, it protects against free radical damage, causing uh, that could otherwise cause uh, mutations in DNA or cause proteins to stick together. Um, I do not recommend that anybody go out and start taking this yet because we don't know that it's protective. You know, it's uh, it's our theory. Uh, it's backed up by uh, data that we generated in in the lab, but um, we don't know that it's protective. We don't even know for sure that it's safe. Uh, there's a lot of history with the um, with the substance suggesting that it's safe, uh, but um, until we have the results of the clinical trial. I don't. Uh, I don't suggest that anyone go out and get it, uh, but uh, do stay tuned for the uh, the results of the uh, the trial, which is which is ongoing. Well, that's great. Um, so, Doctor Tanasky, it's kind of a, a concluding question. I know you're on the the forefront of a lot of exciting research projects, and I know you you also see a lot of patients uh, over the years in in your clinic at the University of Pennsylvania. Um, just sort of, you know, big picture, how do you feel about the future of, of vision disease, particularly AMD, whether it's in terms of more effective treatments or or cures or, you know, kind of what do you, what do you think uh, the future holds for, for vision disease, particularly AMD? Well, Michael, I'm, I'm very optimistic that we're going to have better and better treatments over time. Uh, when, I, when I started seeing patients with macular degeneration 18 years ago, there was very little that we could do other than tell patients how quickly they're likely to lose vision uh, and uh, provide them with low vision aids uh, like um, magnifiers and, and reading glasses, which, uh, which of course are helpful. But uh, um, now for people with wet macular degeneration, we have a drug that uh, can 
can slow the progression and sometimes even stop it. That's only just within the past uh, 10 years. That's um, Lucentis, Avastin, or Ilea, uh, drugs that block uh, a protein called VEGF. So there's been really a, a tremendous acceleration of, of biomedical research that's benefiting all different fields, uh, including, including and maybe even especially the eye, because we can, uh, we can see what's going on in the eye very clearly looking in uh, looking into the eye with an ophthalmoscope or taking uh, high-tech uh, photos of, of the retina uh, we, we, we can know exactly what's going on and uh, test uh, different different potential therapies so we've uh, developed these uh, these drugs for wet macular degeneration but I think that's really just the tip of the iceberg We're, we now know more about how to deliver drugs to the to the eye uh, we we know uh, more about how to do clinical trials for eye disease. We know how to image the eye. The techniques to image the retina are improving. Every year we get better and better resolution images of the retina to the point where we can now see single retinal cells in the, in the living patient with a very fast, uh, painless uh, type of photograph. So we can count the number of cells that are surviving over time. Uh, so I think the, uh, the pace of discovery is, is going to increase. We're going to see more drugs for people with dry macular degeneration. It's, uh, it's going to take some patience. Uh, you know, research does take a, a long time. We have to make sure that, uh, that what we're doing is safe and effective. Uh, it took... Uh, Gene Bennett and Al McGuire are really 30 years of hard work to develop effective retinal gene therapy for the uh, the children who are who are blind. So it takes a lot of a lot of patience and a lot of hard work, but uh, we we're uh, accelerating that and we're we're really uh, developing some effective drugs now. Yeah, well, thank you. That is amazing. No, you've really been giving us a lot of useful information and a lot of a lot of hope for the for the future. Uh, Dr. Janay, I just want to conclude by saying thank you, and just you know, not only for for how helpful you worked on today's chat, but thank you to you and your your colleagues uh, at the University of Pennsylvania and to all the um, all the volunteers in clinical trials that that you help run. Um, I think uh, it's it's really giving us a lot of a lot of hope for the future, and just really want to thank you for for all you've done for people. My pleasure, and uh, thank you, Michael, and uh, to Bright Focus for getting this uh, information uh, out to uh, to patients and for supporting uh, research. And uh, thank, I want to thank all the patients out there uh, who are uh, well being patient and uh, and and um, hanging in there, doing their best, uh, trying to preserve their vision and. Uh, and, and, and uh, waiting for, for better treatments, which, uh, which are coming. Yeah, well, that's great. We will keep up with your research through um, our website, brightfocus.org, where we have articles about some of the latest research findings. And now we're real fortunate to have articles written uh, by you, um, uh, you know, se several times a year. And, and uh, hope we can have you back on a Bright Focus chat. So on behalf of Bright Absolutely. Focus. Absolutely. The information provided in this recording is a public service of Bright Focus Foundation and is not intended to constitute medical advice. Please consult your physician for personalized medical, dietary, and or exercise advice. 
Any medications or supplements should only be taken under medical supervision. Bright Focus Foundation does not endorse any medical products or therapies.